Thank you for listening to the Alan Wright Sermons Podcast. I'm his son, Matthew, and we have been splitting up the sermons every other week at our house church that my wife and I host on our farm. If you're interested in joining us, check out wrightfarmhousechurch.com. Enjoy today's lesson. Let's wrestle with a very practical question today. The question is, how do you respond when you become aware of sin in your life? It's a practical question because every day we Christians become aware of sin. And that might be through another person or through a set of circumstances or just our own conscience through the Holy Spirit convicting us. But we become aware of sin and then we have to respond in some way. And it's very easy for our first response to usually not be the best response to sin. It's very easy for our first response to be to deny that it was our fault or that we did anything wrong at all. Um, we will say things like, that's not what I said. You misunderstood me. My allergies were bad. I was tired. The kids were up all night. It was, it was a stressful day at work. In other words, I'm not accountable for what I did because I've got a good excuse. And I don't remember a specific time that I've done this, but I'm pretty sure that I have. Have you ever spilled something on a couch cushion that stained it and simply turned the cushion over to the other side, hoping that no one would notice the stain on the underside eventually? Have we ever been sweeping, maybe as kids, and quite literally swept the dust under a rug or, or maybe under the fridge where mom hopefully wouldn't see our laziness? I'll just ignore my sin and, and hopefully life will go on and hopefully all will be okay. Of course, turning the cushion over or sweeping the trash under the fridge is simply just an analogy to every time we ignore our sin and choose not to deal with it. The Bible says that when we become aware of sin, the right response is to repent of it. And repent is a big and important Bible word, and we don't have the time to dig into a deep discussion on the definitions and meanings of repentance. But as we know, it, it simply means to turn around and change direction, to do a 180 degree turn from the thing that we were doing. To repent of sin is to turn from sin, and so the first thing we do in order to turn from our wrongdoing is to admit it and confess it, to be honest about it. When Saul sinned back in 1 Samuel chapter 15, he did all the things that we do when we proverbially turn the couch cushion over from the stained side to the unstained side. He denied that he sinned. He blame shifted and blamed other people for it. He rationalized and he justified his sin. Eventually, he finally half-heartedly admitted that he sinned, but in a way that was less than forthright. And it seemed like he was trying to manage his reputation and what other people thought of him than really being honest about his sin. But what Saul didn't do was to repent and turn from it. And now we're in 2 Samuel chapter 12, and we've seen that David has committed a great and serious sin with Bathsheba. So the question is, what will he do? How will he respond? 
Will he go? Will he go down the same path that Saul did, or will he genuinely repent of his sin and, and continue to follow after God? And if you're familiar with the story of the Old Testament up until now, you know that forgiveness was built into the Old Testament relationship between God and his people. God is a forgiving God. God is a gracious God. God wants us to turn from our sin and turn back to him. We last read in chapter 11 that David was was acting very much like a typical king in the ancient East. He had sinned by rebelling against God and by taking Bathsheba in a way that was sinful and inappropriate. So where is this all headed? Will David end up like Saul? In 2 Samuel chapter 12, the prophet Nathan is in a very difficult situation. How do you confront the king about his rebellion? It's a difficult situation because if you confront the king, he could easily respond in anger and have you killed or banished from the royal court. The king can hand down whatever consequence he wants to, but Nathan is both bold and wise. He's wise because he confronts David by making up a story to illustrate his point. You might think of it as a parable about a rich man who took advantage of a poor man. When Nathan tells David this story, David gets sucked into it and he looks at the story objectively. And David says, the rich man was in the wrong and should be punished for taking advantage of the poor man. And that's when David, excuse me, that's when Nathan got bold because he told David, you are the rich man. You are the one who has used your power to take advantage of other people. We all need friends like Nathan, people who love us enough to ask us hard questions, people who love us enough to say hard things to us, who love us enough to confront us about our sin. Unfortunately, most people are surrounded by people who are afraid to say something hard to us because they're afraid of our response. They don't want to hurt feelings or to jeopardize the relationship. But Nathan loves David so much that he's willing to say something really difficult to him. And Nathan puts his own life in jeopardy by doing so. Proverbs chapter 27 verse 6 says, Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. In other words, your enemy is the one who is always telling you what you want to hear. Your friend is sometimes wounding you in the hope of helping you. Unfortunately, very few people have those kinds of deep relationships in our lives, the kind of relationships where we're willing to say hard things to each other. And part of why we're unwilling to say hard things to each other is because we don't have an openness to be confronted ourselves. So it's a, it's a two-way street. It takes one who's willing to say something hard because this person really loves you and cares about you, but it also takes you and I being approachable so that when somebody says something hard, we don't defend ourselves and we don't attack them and we don't deflect and we don't excuse ourselves. We need to say, look, this is my friend and my friend is saying something hard to me. And instead of ignoring it or denying it, I just need to listen. And sometimes the best thing we can do is just say, let me think about it. Let me pray about it. 
We don't always have to agree immediately with them. It's even possible that they're wrong, that they think they see something that they don't. But if we have a friend who is willing to say something hard to us, at a minimum, we should say, let me go and think and pray about that and get back to you. Now, here's the really cool part in 2 Samuel chapter 12. David listens to Nathan. David doesn't shut Nathan out. He doesn't punish Nathan. He doesn't deny or deflect or blame shift. Instead, he sees his sin, and then David makes a very short confession. He simply says, I have sinned against the Lord. Now, in that short confession, I think what the author is trying to tell us is that David doesn't go on to say, I sinned against the Lord, but, and then try to rationalize and blame shift and and all the rest. David repents and admits that he has sinned against God. He was sorrowful over the sin and not just that he'd been caught. There's a big difference in the two sometimes. David is sorrowful over the sin that he committed against God, against Bathsheba, Uriah, the people of Israel. When you have real repentance, not only do you turn from it, but you also admit it. You acknowledge that, yes, I did this. I blew it. I sinned against God. I want to turn from it, but you cast yourself on the mercy and grace of God. Now, the trap that we fall into many times, though, is that we try to pay God back after we make mistakes. We'll say, "Uh, I screwed up. I screwed up, God, but I'll make it right. I'll make it right. What we're doing when we do that is that we're turning the focus on us and we're turning it away from God and from Jesus and from the cross. We can never make it right. To try to pay God back shows that you don't believe that Christ's death was enough for your sin. We can't pay God back. We simply cast ourselves on the mercy and grace of God and then we ask God to change us grow our faith, replace pride with humility, replace complaining with contentment, replace lying with truth-telling. We ask God to change us, to make us into the people that He wants us to be. The crazy thing is that all of us probably sin far more than we even realize, and it's God's grace for us to not show us all of our sin at one time. If any of us saw all of our sin at one time, it would probably be far too overwhelming for us. When we ask for discernment and God grants it to us, God shows us our sin in a way that allows us to deal with it and to repent of it and to cast ourselves on his grace and mercy. Jesus died to pay for our sins. Let's pray that we can better understand his sacrifice every day so that we can better understand repentance and what that should look like in our lives. Thank you for listening to the Alan Wright Sermons podcast. We hope you'll join us next time. God bless you and have a wonderful week.